hymn was written in a, a glorious period of, uh, of our history in uh, the British Isles when uh, people were being converted in large numbers, churches were growing uh, rapidly. Under the preaching of uh, John Wesley, uh, scores, hordes of people being converted throughout the land, travelling on horseback throughout Britain, uh, going across the Atlantic to America on numerous uh, occasions and not on uh, easy jet or transatlantic flights but on, on ships and going through storms but uh, what was urging Wesley on uh, well it was the gospel he believed it so that's the issue he really believed it yeah I just wonder about uh, you and me when we see the need around and about us I mean this this hymn uh, for his brother his brother was a poet, he preached, but he was mainly a, a poet and a hymn writer and an excellent one as well. And these rich gospel truths, he's thinking about uh, Jeremiah the prophet, is it nothing to you, all you that pass by? What about you and me? Do we have a, a burden? John the Baptist certainly had a, a burden. And the crowds flocked and they were wrapped with attention. Uh, what, what drew them? It was nothing to look at. A wild-looking man, a camel hair cloak and a leather belt. You look at his packed lunch, he had a few locusts and some wild honey. Uh, I mean, I'm at someone's home for lunch today. I hope it's not locusts and wild honey. It might be, it might be, but I'll be going home if it is. Um, but John the Baptist, nothing of this world that would attract anybody to him, but the crowds came. There was something compelling about him. He seemed to believe what he was saying. And he's talking about the second coming mainly of Jesus Christ. It's astonishing. Uh, the wrath to come. He's speaking about the wrath to come. He's speaking about uh, the axe at the uh, root of, uh, of the tree. Uh, he's speaking about that great discrimination that will take place on the day of judgment. He likens it to a farming illustration. Uh, that Jesus Christ has his winnowing fork. He's going to separate the wheat from the chaff and the wheat being collected into the barn. Oh, that will be glory. That will be glory for me. Will it be for you? Because there is a big alternative. And Jesus Christ spoke more about hell than he ever spoke about heaven. Why? He desires that none should perish. And there's a great warning. Avoid this eternal horror. Come to me and be saved. But John the Baptist uh, is giving these, this urgent message. We've had here uh, something of uh, a summary of the things that he has been uh, saying, John the Baptist, pointing the way to the Saviour. But I think then, uh, verse 18 is what I want to look at this, this morning. Just this little summary. Uh, Luke hasn't recorded all that John the Baptist said. We have an excerpt from one of his sermons and how he responds to different people. But verse 18, and with many other exhortations, many other exhortations, he preached to the people. I think it's an awesome and a wonderful addition that points out to us again, and we need to be reminded of the urgency of, of the gospel. It was urgent then. It's urgent now. It will always be urgent 
because the problem with mankind, men, women, children, young people, every single one of us here, all, and we reached a landmark a week last Tuesday, the eight millionth, billionth, billionth inhabitant of planet Earth was born. And we're not sure exactly where that child was born. It could have been here in, in Cardiff. Uh, God, God knows, but number eight billion arrived on planet Earth with the same problem that you and I were born with, the same problem that unless it's dealt with will sink us to an eternal judgment and an eternal hell. It's sin. Sin is the issue. Sin's the problem. We fall way short of uh, the glory of God. If I'm to know God and to be in His heaven, safely gathered in, the wheat into the barn, and to know glory for eternity... What do I need? A clean record. I need a perfect life. I need to have no sin to my account. I need to have looked the Ten Commandments eyeball to eyeball. And to be able to say those commandments have been kept. That I've had no other gods. I've made no images. I haven't had Manchester United or Cardiff City as my gods. I haven't had any pop idols or groups. I haven't had my wife or my children. It's been thou and thou only first in my heart. I haven't taken God's name in vain. I, I look at that law. And uh, when it comes to the Sabbath day, oh, when you woke up this morning, weren't you so excited? Why are you so excited, dear? It's Sunday. How do you oh, I forgot it's Sunday. And you're rejoicing uh, together, keeping the Lord's Day holy, honouring our parents in childhood and in middle years, and as long as they have breath, that degree of honouring and the way in which we do that will change. But to honour our parents, not to have murdered. Oh, I've kept that one, but Jesus said, if you've had anger in your heart against your neighbour, you have murdered them. I fail there as well. You will not commit a, a adultery. You will not steal. You will not lie. You won't desire other people's possessions. And to be in heaven and to know that which is glory, I need to have kept that law. And to fall short of that is sin. And in essence, keeping the law of God, is a, the motivation will be one of love. Why should I obey God's law? Well, I love Him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And because of that, I love my neighbor as myself. Now, that's the standard for heaven. Who's going on their own merits? Well, none of us here. None of us here. And what we are hurtling towards, apart from the mercy of God and His divine intervention, is judgment. And so, John the Baptist preaching uh, judgment. The wrath to come, the axe at the root, and the winnowing fork in the hand of the judge of all the earth. In the light of that, John preaches the good news. There is a way for man, woman, young person, children, little babies to rise to that sublime abode. There's a way to heaven, and it's not through religion. Certainly not through religion. Why is Christianity the only way? Why is Jesus Christ the only way? There's so many religions in the world. You know, religions will tell you the basic philosophy is this. Try your best. 
try and keep this set of rules. Uh, say your prayers. Uh, go to a worship service. Be, be nice to people. Uh, try, try, try again. And uh, hope then, hope you're more good than you were bad. And that's the morality and the ethic of every world religion. Try your best. Follow this, this pathway. Follow this, this book and, and, and hope for, for the best. Christianity is completely different. The message of Christianity is that you can do nothing. But God has done everything for you in his son, Jesus Christ. Why is Jesus Christ the only way? He's the only one who's dealt with our problem of sin. He is the only way. And John the Baptist preached the good news about salvation and safety in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in him and in him alone. Our pastor Wynne was preaching recently uh, from John's Gospel about John the Baptist pointing towards his cousin Jesus Christ and saying, oh, behold, and behold's a powerful word. It means uh, latch your eyes onto this, fix your gaze on the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who takes away the sin of the world. Now, how does he do that? Well, here's the good news. It's not what you do that gets you to heaven. It's what Jesus Christ has done for you. He's lived a perfect life. Who is he? He's God who became a man without ceasing to be God. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He's willing to be your representative. And as a man, he lived a perfect life. He did nothing wrong. He thought nothing wrong. He said nothing wrong. He lived the life that God the Father demands you should live if you're going to get to heaven you can't do it. So in pity and in mercy, a move by an eternal love that swept him from eternity past into time. What brought Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, to planet Earth? It's this dynamic attribute of love. Now I'll never understand it. Why? Why for me? Why such pity? Why such love? Why such mercy? Why such grace? It is the unanswerable, imponderable, but we need to ponder it. Love. Love divine. All love's excelling. You know, the next line, Wesley, what, what, a, what a poet. How inspired. Love divine. All love's excelling. Joy of heaven. Who's that? Jesus. Joy of heaven. He's the, the darling of heaven. To earth come down. The incarnation. And he came to do us good to take away our sin. Religion won't do it. Morality won't do it. Jesus Christ has done it. He's done it for me. Has he done it for you? He's done it for John the Baptist. Before John the Baptist was born, it seems he was born again, uh, he was in his mother's womb and he, he leapt for joy in Elizabeth's womb. He really believed this is the same. Oh, behold! Now, Jesus didn't only live a perfect life for us. See, hell is a reality. It's an awful reality. Will there be more in heaven than in hell? More in hell than in heaven? Who knows? God, God knows. If you push me, you might ask me on the panel tonight, a little, little side question that might be asked. Will there be more in heaven than in hell? I think uh, Spurgeon has a, a great sermon on that. If you push me, I'd say more will be in heaven. God will have the victory. He'll not be mocked. 
You can ask me why I think that, and I, I could explain and open that up, but I believe there'll be more in heaven than there will be in hell. But I can't be certain, but that's what I, I would believe. Anybody who's there is only there in the merits of Jesus Christ, and uh, it'll be all glory, glory to God. There is a hell. How is it... How is it taken away? Well, Jesus took my hell on Calvary. You see, we just imagine there's something very sanitized and romantic about the cross. It was hell on earth. As in my place condemned, he stood and he sealed my pardon with his blood. Do you get it? Do you get it? Have you understood? It's a miracle if it happens. Now, it happened to me. I could tell the story over and over again. And at St. Mellon's, after 21 years, they always off again. Happened to me in Brisbane, Australia, sat in what was quite a charismatic expression of the Christian faith, but it was a gospel church. And hearing the message I'd been rebelling against that very afternoon, it all became clear. Holy God, sinful me under his judgment. What's my hope? Jesus Christ alone. He bridges the gap because of who he is and what he's done. At the end, there was an appeal. If you want to receive Jesus Christ, you'll see me come forward. And uh, I, I went forward, but I was converted where I was sitting. Where I was sitting. Like a jigsaw puzzle coming together. Like the fog lifting. I understood. Have you understood? Has it happened to you this morning? There's enough information here because I'm basing what I'm saying on the truth of the Bible. If the Spirit moves for you to be saved here this morning, maybe you've come in uncertain. You can go out being absolutely sure. And when I'm at the door afterwards, give me a tug on the sleeve and say, hey, Andy, I, I believe this morning. Glory to God. Glory to God. I can't even remember the pastor. I was called, yeah, he was called Clark. Clark, Clark Taylor, that was him. He had a sad end, actually. He had a sad end. Um, moral failure. But it's Jesus I trusted in, not the preacher. And the glory for my salvation goes to Jesus Christ and not to any pastor or preacher. If you're saved here this morning, glory, glory to God. John the Baptist preaching the good news of the gospel. And who did he preach it to? That's my first point. John preached the good news. Secondly, from this verse, who did he preach it to? Well, we're just told simply this. He preached it to the people. Whoever came, whoever came would, would hear. And uh, he didn't put himself in the cities, but people were drawn to him. Now, they were spectacular times, quite extraordinary times. Now, we're in a city. There are lots of people. If you, if you want to speak to somebody, I, I wouldn't recommend you go out into the wilds of mid-Wales and sit by a, by, on, a, on a mountain. Well, you might meet one or two. But where you're most likely to meet people is in a town or a, or a city. And of all the cities in Wales, well, where's the plum place to be if you want to talk to people? Where would you need to be put? Where's the best place to be positioned in Wales? You want to talk to people? Well, it's Cardiff. <laughs> it's Cardiff. See where he's placed us. Not on a mountain, not, not in a desert. He's placed us in a city full of, of people. 
And John the Baptist, well, the crowds were brought to him by the Spirit of, of God, clearly. And the crowds came out. But, but we're in the, in the city. And we have our congregations day by day. When you and I leave this service, we're going to go home. Will you go home to a fully converted family? Or the members of your family not yet converted? There's your congregation. And you probably live in a house. And uh, you will have neighbours and they are people who you're going to be meeting uh, through uh, the week. And then you're going to go to work, or to school, or to university. And you're looking for, have lectures finished yet? And they're still going on, are they still going on? Poor things. But what an opportunity. Now, why are you here in Cardiff? Why not Bangor? Why, well, understand why not Bangor. Uh, why but you could have been, but God has placed you here. And why on this course? Well, I like this course. There's more to it than that, my friends. If you're a believer, why am I doing this? But Oh, this is a mundane job. Why have I got this job? The job is not the real issue. It's the people who you're working with. I mean, a billion years from now, let's say 10 billion years from now, that's a long time. No, it's not. It really isn't. It'll go like that. It'll go like that. What, 10 billion? Yeah, 100 billion. It'll go, and will you? Yeah, you will. Re there'll be some vague recollection of something called time. What was that thing, that strange thing we went through? It's like a, a tribulation. And can I, can I think? Well, there'll be no tears in heaven. What about sad memories? Matthew Henry says, Earth has no sorrows that heaven will not immediately extinguish. But, uh, yeah, the job that you're doing, the school that you're in, the class that you're in, the university group, the, the neighbours you've got, the family you've been placed into. What an odd family I'm in. Well, God put you there. And you're there to be a light. A light. And your congregation is a congregation I can never preach to. You'll meet people I will never, ever, ever meet. I'll meet people you will never, ever meet. You see, I met a chap, called, I'll, I'll change his name, called Albert yesterday, and Albert was walking his dog around the Hendra Lake, and uh, our dog often has a little snap at this dog, and uh, we stopped to chat, and I did apologize for my bad behavior of Pip the dog. But you know, dog walking is good. It gets you into conversation with people, as children do at the school gate. Find a way of talking to people. Do we really, really care? So he told me about his two children and how he's moved here and, uh, and something of his background. And then I met another guy. I was out twice yesterday with the dog, trying to lose a few pounds before Christmas. And um, met another guy. And I've known him for years. And uh, he had to tell me sadly, oh, I said, no, and how's, uh, I mentioned his wife's name, oh, we split up nine months ago. Now, he, he knows I'm a, a minister and we, we got into conversation. You won't meet them. <laughs> I do, because God has placed me there. You're meeting people I will never, ever meet. Your job, your neighbours. What, what about a neighbour's evening? It's not too late yet, not too late just to say, hey, we're going to sing. People actually enjoy traditional carols. I was learning about the lady who's coming to the, uh, 
the seniors' lunch, and she was saying, will there be carols, and uh, oh yeah, will there be traditional ones? I went somewhere last year, I hadn't got a clue what they were singing. There's some nice modern stuff, what people love. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, hark the herald angels sing. Yeah, what? We're going to have some carols in our home. Some mince pies and some coffee. Do you want to come? Oh, I'd love to come too. Give it a go. Give it a go. Um, I, I'm doing one so far this, uh, this, um, this Christmas time. So lots of room for more bookings for myself and for Wynne and for, for Nathan. Well, Nathan's gone, but I'm sure he'd be happy to uh, as well as taking little little set up. But the people who we are meeting, your unique ministry. So John the Baptist preached the good news. He preached to the people. Uh, how did he preach? How did he preach? Well, let's look at this verse again. And with many other exhortations, he preached to the people. I want to say this. It's an interesting Greek word, these uh, exhortations. Uh, parakelo. Parakelo. Now, I've been to Greece a couple of times and I've got Greece in my DNA. My dad was, was Greek. And I know that parakelo means please. Aharisto means uh, thank you. But here we got pola parakelo with many, many pola. Poly, we get poly, polymers, lots of mers. Um, po poly talented, lots of talents. Uh, poly parakelo. Uh, lots of exhortations, lots of pleas. I want to tell you this, John the Baptist preached with passion. Passion! Because he believed it. If the house was on fire at night and your family members weren't aware, there'd be passion. There'd be passion. Wouldn't be, uh, oh, I better send my wife a text, my son a text, my daughter a a text. I'll send him an email, the house is on fire. I'll uh, not... Sorry. Sorry to wake him. Sorry. Why are you waking me at this? Sorry. Sorry. The house is on fire. I don't think they believe you. You'd say it with passion. Oh, I don't want to overdraw. I don't want to... Shocking me out of sleep this morning. I, I could get, I could shout now. I could say what I would do if the house was on fire. There'd be a passion. Why? It is on fire. I do love my family. They do need to get out. <clears throat> and John the Baptist is warning people, flee from the wrath to come. And you could see it in his eyes. You knew it in his voice. And he was there every day. He never left his station. And he's baptizing people. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, he dumped them fully under the water. That's my position tonight. Okay, I'll lay my cards on the table straight away. But uh, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I believe he did. But that's not the issue. Not the issue. It's the reality and the passion that came. Parakalo, please beg, plead, entreat, beseech with much uh, passion. So I read the parable of banquet. Uh, still there's room. Compel them to come in, says the master. And that's God. He's our master. He's the one sending us out into the highways and byways and make them come in. And there's still the room. Go into the highways and byways. Look under the hedges. Compel them to come in. My house will be full. Compel them, says the Father. Compel them, says God. Now, we can't twist their arms. 
And it's not that we go frantic, but there should be something in the way we say. And the fact of our kind, careful, we we could appear to be loopy. There's no commendation for that. Remember, a young lad, I was in second year doing chemistry. A lad came the first year to do biology. He's in full-time work for the Lord now in, in Swansea. Great, great guy. But uh, he arrived as a fresh Christian, wanted to make a stand for Jesus Christ. And uh, he was covered in badges. Smile, God loves you. Uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, T-shirt, everything. Badges, you know, stickers, uh, everything. And there was no doubt he was loopy. Well, no, that's, that's how he appeared. But he was zealous. He wanted people to know. He said, I, I was scared I, I might get drawn into worldly things, but I wanted to nail my colours to the mast straight away. I think there are maybe wiser ways to do it because people put bollards around him. They thought he was a nutter. He, he, he was zealous. He was zealous. I think we need to be winsome. It's the way that we say things and our consistency and our lives ought to, to back it up. Let me just read, read this. I found this recently. A minister once asked an actor, how come theatres are full and my chapel is almost empty? The actor thought and then he said this, we actors treat fiction as if it were real. You ministers treat truth as if it were fiction. Are we guilty as charged? Passion. Passion, we can be passionate about so many things. Sports. I mean, I'm learning these words. I'm a a heath. Uh, I can sing glad when it gets to that chorusy bit. Not sure the other words. But the passion from those crowds. Passionate about family, about hobbies. People get passionate about fishing and looking for trains and aeroplanes. Passionate about people who maybe offend them. They're on Facebook giving it what for. Uh, My sister went through a phase where she was very passionate about the cause of donkeys in Greece and uh, gave money to rescue donkeys in Greece. Passion, passion. Who are we passionate for? Well, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And it ought to show. It ought to show. Jesus had compassion on the leper. If you're willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, he reached out his hand and touched him. I am willing. Be clean. As the rich young man turns away, Jesus looked at him and he he loved him. When he comes to Jerusalem, he weeps over the, the city all oh, the Apostle Paul, we're coming to a conclusion uh, here, but just look at these words in, in 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. Very famous uh, passage. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 13. For if we, says Paul, are beside ourselves, out of our minds, it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge or we are convinced that if one died for all, then all died. And 
that he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. This, this passion for the glory of God and compassion for the lost. Now, what, what about us? What's, what's, what's wrong? What's wrong? As um, a student, there was um, a wonderful uh, gospel singer called Keith Green, and he wrote a number of very powerful uh, gospel uh, songs, a great musician, singer, songwriter, and they were very helpful to me in my, my young Christian days, my early 20s. Uh, Keith Green died in a plane crash at the age of 28 with three of his four children, leaving his one child and his pregnant wife uh, behind. And uh, Melody Green, his wife, wrote, There is a Redeemer, uh, Jesus God's own Son. That's the, the Keith Green I'm speaking about. But there's one song that he wrote called Asleep in the Light. I just want to read the words to you. I think we've got them on the screen. Have we? It's worth looking up this, this song. It's called Asleep in the Light. Do you see all the people sinking down? That's our congregation. Do you care? Is there any compassion? Are you going to let them drown? How can you be so numb not to care if they come? You close your eyes and pretend the job's done or God will save his people. Well, he will, but he's going to use you and me. What's our prayer? Oh, bless me, Lord. That's all I ever hear, says Keith Green. No one aches, no one hurts, no one even sheds one tear. But he cries, he weeps, he bleeds, he cares for your needs. You just lay back and keep soaking it in. Can't you see such sin? He brings people to your door. I had one this morning, a delivery man, very, very early. I'm not going to meet him again, probably. Did I take the opportunity? To my shame, no. You turn them away, you smile and say, God bless you, be at peace, all heaven just weeps. Jesus came to your door, you left him out on the streets. Open up and give yourselves away, you see the need, you hear the cries, how can you delay? God's calling, you're the one, I'm not where you are, you're not where I am. But like Jonah, you run, he told you to speak, but you keep holding it in. Can't you see such sin? It's a wonderful conclusion here. The world is sleeping in the dark. The church just can't fight because it's asleep in the light. How can you be so dead when you've been so well fed? Jesus rose from the grave. You can't even get out of bed. What is wrong with us? I'll tell you what happens. Happens to me. It happens to you. We just get comfortable. We get comfortable. We're happy with the, the truth and the theology. It's only ever a pathway to lead us to Jesus Christ himself who brings us to the Father. We can lose reality. Swallowed up with the activities. Very busy as a church. But have we lost our first love? We need that fresh vision of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm coming to a conclusion. I was telling the prayer meeting a couple of weeks ago about Duncan Campbell, greatly used in revivals in the highlands and islands. There came a period where he was settled in a, in a church, and the church was full. And after a service, his daughter came to him saying, Daddy, why aren't the people being saved anymore? What do you mean? The church is full. But yeah, but Daddy, people used to come uh, to your little room after the service. They'd go in crying. They'd come out smiling. Daddy, why aren't the people being saved anymore? And his wife was over here. He said, Duncan, 
she's right. Get into your study and uh, get right with, with God. And uh, I think she, the story goes, she put a chalk circle on the floor and said, get in that circle and get back in touch with, with God. See, he was still preaching. The church was full. Where was the passion? Where was the power? Where was the fire? He asked God, did Campbell, and he recommends we don't do it unless God puts it in your heart. He asked for a vision of hell and judgment. And God granted it. And the people began to be saved again. Passion. Compassion. Reality. John Wesley went around preaching. He had a daily prayer. Lord, set heaven and hell before my eyes. What about you and me? Maybe just to set as a task uh, this week. Pray. Pray. A little challenge. And we can maybe ask each other next Sunday, did, did the Lord answer this this prayer. Ask for an opportunity to talk to somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ this week. Ask for an opportunity. If you're brave, ask for one each day. If you're a little bit more timid or unsure, as far as your faith can stretch, if it's one this week, lovely. If it's one a day this week, lovely. If it's a couple of times this week, lovely. Because see, if we pray, then we're, we're looking for God to answer that prayer and to pray that, Lord, you might bring people to know you. Ask for those opportunities. Oh, here it is again then, little verse. And with many other exhortations, he preached to the people. May we be spirit-inspired and empowered to do the same with the people who we meet day by day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this all too brief time in your word. We do pray, Lord, you would forgive us for our sins, our coolness of heart. Give us a fresh vision of Jesus, all that he is, all that he's done for us. Give us a vision of the needs of the people around and about us. Help us to see them as they actually are outside of Christ. And give us a heart of compassion, we pray. To God be the glory, we ask. Amen. Well, our final hymn is something of a, of a prayer along those lines for, for reality. Show me thy face, one transient gleam of loveliness divine. I shall never think or dream of other love save, save thine.
And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen.